Hello, 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 hello. This is Angela Valenti Romeo. This is Colliding World. And I think we've got something really interesting going on today. This is this is an incredible book. If you haven't read it, The Skin Hair Hoax, and we're going to be talking to the author. I'm going to let her tell you all about herself. But I'm going to tell you, I read this book and there are parts of it I laughed and parts of it I go, wow. I've really bought into a lot of things and parts of it that I went, wow, I was on the right path. We are a consumer-based society and we spend money on all kinds of things. And a lot of times we don't really even need these things. And, and this book, I'm telling you, you read it and you laugh and you cry and you go, oh my God, I could have gone on a trip around the world with the money I've spent. And I'm going to bring the author onto the stage right now. Welcome, Dr. Frey. Um, I am great. And I'm going to tell you this book that you wrote is, it should be required reading, <laughs> I think, at some point for everybody. You're a dermatologist by trade. I am. And why? Why did you feel the need to write this book? Oh, big question. Um, well, the skincare industry is a fantastic industry. It makes great products. We know it makes moisturizers and cleansers and uh, sunscreens, and we all need those. Um, but they're a business, and they 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 you know work for their shareholders, which is what good businesses do. Um, the media is great, um, but they have sensationalism because they want ad dollars and they want ratings. And then we have the skincare, in particular cosmetics, all these anti aging creams and eye creams and night creams and neck creams and hand creams and foot creams, I could go on and on. Um, and the consumer, unfortunately, doesn't understand what's in them, right? How many consumers know triethanolamine or isopropyl myristate or, so it's a blind item. It's kind of funny. There used to be a commercial for, I think it was Breyer's ice cream where they said Breyer's ice cream is like milk, cream, whatever. And then they read something else and has all these chemicals and you sit there like, I can't pronounce it. So it, it got to the point where I had a trainer who said, if you can't pronounce it, you can't eat it. And something tells me if I can't pronounce it in my, in, in my skincare line, I probably shouldn't use it. But you're right. I mean, the average person looks at the, you know, would if they even do look at a label is not going to know, you know, I'm a, I consider myself to be a fairly well-educated person, but chemistry, not right. my so, thing. So the consumer doesn't understand the ingredient listing. And so how do they pick product? Well, they pick it based on marketing. So you have skincare companies advocating for their shareholders and media vying for ads and dollars, selling sensationalism. Nobody's advocating for the consumer for a product that they don't understand and basing their choices on marketing, right? What your friend tells you, maybe you have a celebrity that you love that's endorsing a product. Um, and marketing is powerful. So I decided to put leverage my, my chemistry knowledge. I was a, a biochemistry um, student and did research for three and a half, four years. Uh, so I have a, a good knowledge of chemistry and 30 years as a dermatologist. Uh, and I leveraged all that and I put it in, the, in, in a book called The Skincare Hoax. I think what was to me was most interesting about the book is, again, as you're reading it, you see yourself. I mean, each and every one of us, probably with rare exceptions, have all fallen into this. I got to have this. I got to have this. I got to have this. It's going to make my life better. And I, I look at these young girls. I used to go to the gym and I'd watch these young girls. 
I, I'd work out for an hour and a half and they'd still be in front of the mirror, you know, putting all this stuff on between what they put on to prep because it was like they would wash, they would do this, they would add a stringent, they would do a toner, they would do that, then they would add a whatever, then they would cake on four pounds of makeup because somebody told them that looked good. Under a fluorescent light, it does not look good, and out they would go. And, and then I look at women who are of my age, and and like I said, I told you earlier, I'm 65. I look at women my age and we're like, we're all like, oh my God, I got a wrinkle. And everybody's going to sleep on their back and get satin pillowcases. And, you know, we're all going to buy the most expensive skin cream because it's going to make us better. But, and then I look at my mom and she was, you know, she used oil of Olay. That was it. Ivory soap and oil of Olay. I don't think she owned anything else ever. Um, and she had really, really good skin. I mean, why do we buy into this type? And how do, how do, how do we protect ourselves? <laughs> Look, it's a great question. But here's the thing: the culture has identified beauty as tall, thin, and young. Um, we have a, it's again, it's a great industry. But we, uh, I, I think Forbes digital marketing experts say we see between four thousand and ten thousand messages a day that tell us we need these things. And they feed off our insecurities. And although the industry makes some good products, uh, there's a lot of products they make that they make us believe we need which, where there's absolutely no science that they're not only not beneficial, but a lot of them could even be harmful to the skin. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, you know, to answer your question, why, why do we do it? I also think a lot of women in particular do it because they think they're going to be happier doing it. I mean, there's something you do for yourself. It's like, Every once in a while you go, you get a facial because it makes you feel good or you get a manicure because it makes you feel good. Other, you know, in, and in the book there, you, you point out there's other than maybe a psychological boost, there's, there's a facial doesn't really do much other than. Well, what's a facial? First of all, what's a facial? A facial is just some arbitrary substance you put on your face. Some people put on rose petals. Some people put on tea bags. There's peach, there's avocados, there's all essential oils. When you say a facial, it's like saying, I like fruit. Well, what fruit do you like? I don't like melons. I like berries. So when people say, I need a facial. It's, a facial is a process. It's some arbitrary substance they put on the face. Uh, perhaps they pre-empt uh, it with a steam. Um, some non-medical person who's got some level of hours of training might be able to uh, you know, exfoliate or pick at the skin a little bit, um, massage the face. And yes, you said it. It feels good. And there's nothing wrong with going out and enjoying the day with your girlfriends. That's fine. But I'm here to tell you as a scientist, there's no medical evidence. It's good for you. It may be fun and that's fine. You can, the sprinkles on an ice cream cone are fun and playful and fun. Nothing wrong with it, but it's not going to change the ice cream. And I don't know that it's good for you, even though you might like it. So well, sometimes you, you talk about the facial. Sometimes you go for a facial. Uh, we'll just pick on facials for a second here. Okay. You go and I've had ones that had like a pumpkin enzyme or they had, um, cayenne pepper in it so you you feel that tingle you know and then you you leave and you know they they put all this stuff back on your face and they say oh they put your sunscreen on but your face is tingly and red um that doesn't sound good i don't know yeah. your face is tingling and red i gotta wonder whether that's a good thing you know again there's no science and i emphasize wellness over beauty again i'm here to tell people where the science is at and there's just no really good valid reproducible science that shows facials in particular are good for you I'm not saying they're not fun. They're not necessarily good for you. So you don't need them. So if I get up in the morning and, and I, and I, I, I will confess to this, 
for a while I was involved, I bought into this whole line. Literally, like you said in your book, there were really 10 steps to this. And you would get up in the morning, you'd have to do one, two, you have to do them in order. And it would take bloody forever. Now, at the time I was practicing law and my ex-husband and I worked in the same firm and he'd be like, okay, can we go now? Can we go? No, no, I've got two more things to do. And, and then it was just, okay, forget it. So then I, then I said, okay, well, what happens if I just use, you know, three, four or fives and people are like, oh, if you don't use all 10 in the exact order, it, it, you get no results. I used the product for faithfully for probably six months before I said, you know what? I look just the same. <laughs> and, but this, but I was like, so told that these are the steps, this is what I have to do. And because it had a doctor's name on it, you know, my, my thought process was, well, it has to be great, but yeah, it's marketing. Marketing is powerful. And here's another concept, Angela, that your, your, your listeners need to understand. These products are cosmetics and cosmetics by law, whether something's a cosmetic or a drug depends on the intent of the product. So if your product really intends to change the structure or function of the skin, which is what your expectation is, it's a drug and it has to go through the FDA. All these products that you talk about, the, the anti-aging creams, age-defying creams, anti-wrinkle creams, night creams, eye creams, these are cosmetics. They're not intending to change the structure or function of your skin. They intend as cosmetics to beautify or to adorn or even moisturize. So if to avoid, maybe they're just moisturizers. You take a raisin, you pump water into it, you get a grape. Is that anti-wrinkle? Yep. Okay, well, a temporary improvement, that's fine. Yep. But it's a moisturizer. It's not all those ingredients that they add so that they can claim on the front label that it is, you know, satisfy the claim. That's what I call angel dusting. They make a, take a moisturizer, they add a tiny ingredient, you mentioned several of them, and, and, and they sell it as though it's gonna really change the structure or function of the skin and it can't by law that's not my opinion that's how the laws are written in this country you would do funny you talk about you put water in the grape i mean you put water in the raisin it becomes a grape but it's eventually going to become a raisin again it's only a temporary fix it's still gonna it's still gonna go back to where it is and and, and the hydration effect and any good moisturizer will do that you don't need to spend extra money but these companies are smart and they figured out something very important what they figured out is that the consumer is willing to spend more money if there's more promise. And so they've developed a whole line of goods that has a higher promise because the consumer is willing to pay for it. And that doesn't mean they deliver on that promise. Remember, these are cosmetics, but they can, they can, they can get more. And it, again, these are companies that are buying, you know, they, they want their shareholders to be happy. It's a business. And, and this is where I want to go to next. It's like, it's not a medication. It's not medical. These things that say they have, um, you, you see a lot of products now that they promise you anti-aging uh, and they'll say they're very careful. And the lawyer in me knows this part too. They're very careful. They say reduces, may reduce this, uh, you know, fine lines, you know, or reduce the appearance of. That's great. I mean, these that's are a, words. That's, right. that's a cosmetic claim. You can say it makes you look better. It reduces the appearance of fine lines. It, it can't say gets rid of the fine line because that's a that's a structural change and that's a drug claim. They can't do that. And you're right. There's there are legal departments to make sure that the marketing claims are cosmetic claims and not drug claims. You're, you're absolutely right. So let's go back to I, I have I have a shampoo and I say it, it's for dandruff. And I say my dandruff shampoo is going to help you with your 
you know, get rid of flakes. Um, is that is if I say that, make that claim, is that an FDA? You've got to prove that you can, it's a medical yes, situation. Yes, you claim to solve a medical problem, treat a disease, mitigate, cure a disease by law, that product intends to do those things. By law, that product has to get FDA approval, either go through the entire you know, FDA approval process, or they can do get something called an over-the-counter drug monograph systems. But either way, it has to get FDA approval if you claim to treat, prevent, or cure a disease. So a dandruff shampoo is a drug. A regular shampoo is a cosmetic. And, and regular shampoo is mostly water. I mean, if you, and that's the, the other thing I found really cool about the book is you break it down and you say, look at the ingredients. And, and we, we touched on that very briefly. You look at the ingredients. I'm not a chemist. I look at these things. I see all kinds of scientific things. And, and unlike my, the calorie counter or whatever on the back of my cereal, it doesn't say 5% or 3%. It doesn't say anything. It just said, these are the, these, this is what's in this product. And there's, there's a, there's a little bit of, you know, smoke and mirrors to that as well. And I'm, um, I found that interesting. And if you could explain that, that would be great. This 1% rule. Um, so the companies have to list on cosmetics, they have to list the ingredients and they have to list them in order of highest concentration to lowest concentration. So you'll always see water is the highest concentration in the majority of these products. And because 75 to 85% of that product is water. So the next four or five ingredients will probably constitute 90 to 95% of the product. And when you get down to 1%, after 1%, if you have 1% or less of an ingredient in the product, you can list those products in any order. So one of the goals as a cosmetic chemist or a lover of formulation is to determine what we where we call the 1% line. Now, companies aren't going to tell you the percentages in their products because they don't want to, you know, it's proprietary. They're not going to release their, their, their recipes. But you know certain ingredients. Preservatives are a perfect example. Um, phenoxyethanol is a very popular one. It's almost never used at more than half a percent. So when you see that, you know everything after that is definitely less than 1%. Um, so knowing the ingredients, which again, the average consumer may not know, um, I certainly can determine where the 1% line is, give or take two, two ingredients. Um, and, and so that's why I try to tell people, look at the first four or five ingredients. That's the overwhelming majority of the product. Um, after that 1% line, that's where you start seeing all those little angel dusting ingredients that you put in there, like the ceramides and, and peptides. These, these products are expensive, these ingredients. So they just have to have enough in there to say they're in there. So on the front label, they can say with ceramides. That doesn't mean the ceramides are doing anything, but it is satisfying the claim that they're in there. And, and they are. <laughs> <laughs> they're there. Hey, that's great. You know, but it was, but it's, but it was interesting is when you start to break these things down and like the average person may not know, but you, but you get hooked into the marketing and this, and when it sounds scientific, you, you assume that there's some kind of research that goes on with it. Like when you, uh, they, I hate this, but they advertise all kinds of drugs on TV you know, and, and they have diseases I never heard of and drugs that, you know, the side effects are, I think, worse than the disease sometimes. But when you're, when you're looking at consumer goods, such as cosmetics or skincare, you know, they, they make it say four out of five dermatologists recommend this. I don't know who the four are. I don't know who the fifth one said, why he didn't like it, but you've got, there's a, there's this gloss that there's some type of research and professionals are behind this. And then top on that is they start throwing in these 
you know, it's got ceramides and peptides and all of these things that sound really official and, you know, very scientific. And I'm sitting there in my, at my couch going, maybe I need this, you know, and four out of five doctors think it's great, but well, you know, that you're, 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 that, that's marketing. Marketing is powerful. Remember the consumer mostly picks product based on how it feels or smells. You know, those women, they flip those caps and they smell the product. And um, I have a machine in the office called a corneometer. And this machine can actually measure water content of skin objectively. So what we do is we measure a, a, a patient's forearms and they, uh, we tell them to use nothing for three days as far as moisturizer is concerned. We do a baseline measurement. We give them product to use on the left forearm and a different product to use on the right. And we have them use it twice a day. And they come back a week later and we remeasure the water content of skin. And so we are learning, you know, we learn what exactly which products work. Now I took the results. I have a database of all these products at work and this is nothing I sell. I don't sell anything. I don't work for a company. Um, and that database is on the website, Fryface. That's F-R-Y-F-A-C-E. And a consumer can go and select products that are safe, effective. And I know they're effective because we test them and affordable. You can get them from Amazon. You can go down to your local pharmacy and get them um, because you hit the nail on the head. Marketing is powerful and you, you are, you know, it's a marketing frenzy out there. Again, because the consumer doesn't understand the ingredient listing. They don't even know if the product works. Nobody right? does. But here's the thing with the marketing. As, as a professional, as, as a dermatologist, as a doctor, as somebody with a chemical background, a chemistry background, you, you are, I as a consumer, in, also inundated by infomercials. You know, they're, 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 they're on the TV for a half an hour and a few, or an hour. And they, they take you to the French countryside and they show you the melons and they're taking, you know, the lavender and they're, they're mixing these all things back. These, you know, it's, you know, it's like this ancient secret that nobody knew about and we just rediscovered it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you sit there and you, and you, how do you, how do you just judge this? And then why is there nothing to regulate those kinds of claims? Be but there is that's marketing you are describing to a t the marketing that the consumer sees look the cosmetics aren't approved like drugs are approved but the industry is regulated it is the responsibility of the, of the manufacturer to sell a safe product they can't just sell anything it has to be safe and it happens to be a very safe industry i mean if you compare the car the car industry uh, last year alone there were forty thousand fatalities on the road is anybody yelling take all the cars off the road Look at the food industry. There were thousands of people hospitalized. Thousands of people died from food poisoning. Probably millions that had food poisoning and just, you know, had it got over it. But there were deaths from food poisoning. Nobody died of cold cream. You know, again, it, the, the, the skincare industry is a relatively safe industry because the skin is a great barrier. Not everything just doesn't get through. It's the reason you can swim in an ocean for hours. Nothing goes into you. Nothing comes out of you which is why a lot of these companies, you know, they can get away with a lot. Not a lot of these angel dusting ingredients, vitamin C, vitamin E, retinol, you know them all. Um, they can't penetrate the 20 layers of dead skin and then get through the rest of the epidermis into the dermis. It's not possible because of the skin is a barrier. So, you know, what you're described with these infomercials and, and, and th these ads, this is powerful marketing. It's a huge industry. It's probably a half a trillion dollars globally, um, and there's a lot of money to be had. Again, this is a cosmetic that most consumers don't know what's in the bottle. So all they can go by is marketing. That's why I wrote the skincare hoax. I love this book. Um, 
and one of the, you just hit on vitamin C and I used to laugh because they say, Oh, take vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C is, is water soluble. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, like you take it into your body and it, you, you eliminate it almost, you know, almost as quickly as, as you can. So if I'm putting this stuff on my skin and I'm putting something on top of it, what's it doing? But, but you also said something that when you, when you try to say this to people, they think you're insane that you're the top layer of your skin is, it's like your nails, you know, when you trim them, they're dead they're, and your hair. I mean, this is not, this is dead. This is, this is, you know. Yes. The top, very top 20 layers of skin are non-living. They are functional. These are the layers that keep you moist that keep you hydrated. They keep water from leaving you that leave that prevent you. Um, they're the barrier. They prevent infection from bacteria and mold and fungus and protect you from allergens and protect you from ultraviolet light. These are necessary. These layers which is why I always say there's very little science. Why remove them? There's no science that shows exfoliating and removing them is beneficial. You need these layers. You, again, I'll go back. This book was, I it was just fascinating in so many ways because it, it's something that was so basic, but has been so lost in, in our world. We scrub our skin raw. I mean, it's like, how many times would your mom would tell you to get in there and you, you scrub, scrub that dirt off. But then you've got women who use salts and uh, little grains, you know, that they're in your face cream and whatever. They're like little rocks and you're, you're constantly scrubbing your skin and you're, what are you doing? I mean, it's, it's, what are you doing? Are you actually going to grow more skin? I mean, if you grow more skin, I think that's called psoriasis, but you, you, you're not, what are you doing? I mean, is it, is it, is it stimulating growth? Is it doing anything other than watching your skin get all red and raw and costing you whatever removing, amount of money? Removing the layers you need. And then again, the, the, the catchphrase, you know, you talk about buzzwords, you talk about, uh, you know, buzzwords we see, you mentioned dermatologist recommended, um, the buzzword of, of renewal. It's very tough to, to measure skin renewal. The skin renews all by itself. Within two weeks, that very non-living functional layer of skin is renewed, whether you do anything to it at all. The entire top layer of skin, the epidermis, renews every month. There's no science that shows by removing five or six or seven surface layers, the actual renewal process is faster. There's no feedback mechanism. But again, this is a buzzword we see on the front panel because again, the consumer doesn't understand the ingredients. So we have all these buzzwords and, and renewal is one, replenish, uh, nourishing, dermatologist tested. I always joke, who is this dermatologist? Like you said. I want to meet him. I want to yeah. meet him or her too. It's like, and did they test it? But what were the results of the test? And did they I test it like on 10 people, 50 people? Maybe the budget allowed 100 people. We don't know the results of the testing. We just know it was dermatologist tested. It sounds good. That dermatologist, the one who tested it, maybe the one who's actually selling the product. We don't even know that. There are a lot of plastic surgeons and dermatologists that do have their own skincare lines. Um, some of it are you know, acne. Some of them are just you know age prevention. Some of it's just whatever. Um, but you but you fall into that. Now you you talk about you know moisturizing and what people need to do to stay healthy. And you, your skin is a barrier. I mean, it's not. We cover it up with sweaters and whatnot, but really, this, this your skin is protecting everything that's inside of you. I mean, your bones are protecting your organs, and your skin's protecting all of that. And it's it 
it's not something we we think about. We treat our stomach. Oh, we've got an ulcer or we got a tummy ache. We treat that. We look at our skin is almost, I don't know, it's just there, you know, when, and how do you take care of it? I mean, this, this is the first line of defense for so many things. And yes. And it's not the sexy answer, Angela, but your skin, you said it is an organ and the health of the skin is going to parallel is going to parallel a healthy lifestyle and a healthy body. And, and it's not the sexy answer, but this is the answer. You want a healthy body. i.e., You want healthy skin, live a healthy lifestyle, get a healthy diet, uh, get good nights of sleep, exercise. None of those things comes in a tube or a bottle or a syringe. You want good, healthy skin when the skin is dry, moisturize. And you'll know it's dry because you'll see flakes and scales. Skin will function optimal when it's hydrated. So if you see flakes and scales, hydrate it. Use a, use a well-formulated moisturizer. Um, and then the one skincare product, which I can, like Jack, we can discuss on a whole other episode if you wanted, because there's so much data that really prevents, you want to use the word anti-aging, um, is sunscreen apply sunscreen. Any woman over 40 who looks in the mirror at herself in the bathroom will see a huge difference in her skin on her chest and her face compared to unexposed areas. And I'll tell you something, the skin is the same age. The overwhelming majority of wrinkling and pigmentation and coarse skin and rough texture and tone is from the sun. So remove yourself from that exposure and use sunscreen. That's how you have healthy skin. Again, it's not the quick fix. It's not the sexy answer. It doesn't involve lasers. It doesn't involve injections. Um, but that's the answer. It's funny. When I moved to the desert, I moved, I lived up in the Bay Area in California. I used to, when I lived in New York, it was a whole different ballgame. But in California, I moved to the desert, Palm Springs. And my friend's a dermatologist. And I had the big sun hat. I had the sleeves. And I would drive. I looked like a mummy. And people would laugh at me. But I was like, you know, this is what you do. And I had a convertible and my friend who's a dermatologist said, get rid of that car, put, put the top up. Don't, don't drive like that. That's, that's bad, 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 bad. How bad can you be? And I'm like, okay. So, but you, but it's true though. I mean, you, you you, you walk outside, you're going to be exposed to the sun. You, you know, no matter where you are, you're going to be, you're going to be bombarded with these kinds of rays. Now what got confusing and I'm glad you brought up sunscreen because we're jumping all over, but I think it's all good. We, there was a whole slew of people who came out, medical professionals said, no, you don't need sunscreen, sunscreen, bad chemicals and sunscreen are really, really bad for you. And then other people are like, no, you need sunscreen. And you know, you, you watch these, I was a lifeguard. We all had zinc, you know, it was like the, the war paint we wore because we were going to be out, mm -hmm. you know, on the lake or on the ocean or wherever it was, it got confusing for people. And then it was, you know, no sunscreen, yes, sunscreen, bad, bad sunscreen, bad, bad, bad. And then people got, people started to. There's a lot of sensationalism about sunscreen. Look, everything that we do is advantage, disadvantage. You have to look at the advantages and you have to look at the disadvantages. I said there were 40,000 fatalities last year on our highways. Uh, we could be a, we could be a, you know extreme and say okay we got to take all the cars off the road, but the advantage of driving safely and the advantage of heeding traffic signs and wearing your seatbelts, the advantage of driving despite the risk that you may crash and 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 and, and you know succumb, uh, outweighs the disadvantage. So is true of anything in medicine, including sunscreen. I am not a I'm not a believer that you should live in indoors in a bubble 24 seven. I, I just mm -hmm. I, I'm not that's not I don't believe that and I don't think there's any science to prove that. Enjoy the outdoors. But the advantages of wearing sunscreen on your face and your hands, and yes, wear clothes so you don't have to expose yourself to so much of anything, including sunscreen. 
the advantage of putting on sunscreen outweighs the downside to wearing sunscreen. So that's, again, it's, it's plus minus. You know, if you talk to scientists that study chemicals and poisons, they're called toxicologists. If mm -hmm. you ask them the most poisonous product on the planet, I can almost guarantee you that the majority of them are going to tell you botulism toxin. Botulism toxin is extremely toxic. So the equivalent of 3,000 units, you will be paralyzed and you will likely die of botulism. Yet there were 3 million injections of botulism toxin into women's foreheads last year to get rid of a wrinkle. So we have an entire population that has no problem, not putting it on their skin, but injecting what might be the most toxic poison on the planet. Again, the advantage in tiny doses might outweigh the disadvantage. So again, it's not so obsolete to say, don't use any sunscreen, the chemicals. I say use as few products as you need. You don't need all those anti-aging eye creams, night creams. Use fewer things. I, that's fine. That will minimize your exposure. By the way, it will also help the planet because now we don't need to buy all those plastic bottles that are floating in the oceans and it, filling up our landfills. But the advantage to sunscreen to keep the skin looking optimal and most importantly, um, healthy, prevents skin cancer. By the way, there were millions, not, not hundreds of thousands, millions of skin cancers treated last year alone. So again, the advantage outweighs the disadvantage of using sunscreen daily on exposed surfaces, which we should minimize by wearing clothes. My, my partner had um, skin cancerous moles removed. Um, and I had, a, you know, I had pe people I knew who had skin cancer and there were people who have actually passed from it because it's, it's, it is a cancer. It's, it's not, it's not something to be taken lightly. And sunscreen is, is a step. Now, when you look and I'm hoping people are going to walk away from this podcast and go, I'm going to read. Yeah, you can read people. It's 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 this it's really new concept. You know, you look at things, you see words. You don't know what the word means, you look it up. And if you get the book, it gives you some really good places to go to check out the meaning of some of these chemicals. But I'm as a consumer, I'm looking at sunscreen. There's, you know, they'll say things like no, no PBA, no this, no that. What? Should I, as a consumer with a sunscreen, which is an essential part of a good routine, be looking for or try to stay away from? I would tell people to look for a sunscreen that is water resistant, that has an SPF of 30 or higher, that is broad spectrum. And I wouldn't worry about anything else, whether it's a physical block, meaning it's titanium or zinc oxide, or whether it's a non-chemical, uh, non-physical block, which are all the others, which I prefer because the, the, the physical blocks, the mineral and, the, and the, the mineral ones, the titanium and zinc, when you sweat or you put them on, they can give you a little white hue. I'm not comfortable with that. That's me. Um, if you don't mind that, that's fine. They do have a, you have a less chance of having an allergy to those types of um, mineral sunscreen. So that's why some people prefer them. And maybe in children, it's a good idea. But the truth is, if it's on the market, um, the advantage of using it outweighs the downside. There's all kinds of hype out there with sunscreens, the parabens, the oxybenzones. Again, none of these companies are looking at what I call um, the dose of these ingredients, the advantages of using these ingredients and the tiny doses they're using them in outweighs the downsides. Um, I have, that's, I have, you know, I have another question for you though. When they talk about sunscreen, you said SPF 30, you see these SPF 60, SPF hundred. Mm -hmm. Is there any, is there any real advantage after 30 and how long does the sunscreen last? I mean, I, I put a sunscreen on in the morning. And I go about my day. I don't think about putting, you know, reapplying it at any point in the day. And then 
in the summer, especially in the desert, people I know who, who golf or whatever, they'll put on sunscreen. They'll say, well, if I put on two 30s, I really have a 60. So I put on two layers of 30. So now I have SB 60. And I'm like, I don't think it works that way. But no, it doesn't work that way. And, and the truth is, do the higher numbers matter? Well, it depends on how you apply it. If you take a 30 and put it on sparingly, you're not getting 30. So if you put it on liberally and you're putting on an SPF 30 liberally, yes, it's probably adequate for the day if it's water resistant. Now, if you're swimming or it's the middle of July and you're sweating, you probably should reapply it. If you're putting it on water resistant in the morning at eight o'clock and you're working in the office and you're not really sweating, um, it's probably going to last you most of the day. So to the answer to your question, over 30, uh, it matters if you're not putting it on liberally, most likely. Um, sunscreen SPFs are not additive. You can't add them up. Unfortunately, it doesn't work quite, quite like that. Um, and uh, again, the benefit of wearing sunscreen every day outweighs the downside. I just loved it watching that. No, two thirties a week or sixty. I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Let, let's just let's just keep going. If I keep going, I'll have a thousand, right? It it all gets confusing and and you get overwhelmed with things. But again, in the book, what you the underlying theme to me was other than being educated was simplicity. It, it, there's simplicity in your skincare regime and it doesn't need to be as complicated as we've made it. You, and I, and, and, like I said, I went through this whole thing. I had 10 of these and eight of these, and then I switched, Oh no, I wasn't doing anything. So I switched to a different line and all I got was a skin irritation. Unfortunately, I, I'm one of those people that has a, dermatite uh, like an eczema but it, it kind of rides under the skin so i would come you know it would be more irritating than anything else but then i would i would stick to the end of it and then i would try something else and then they say oh no you can't use that and you can't use this but in the end what you talk about is it's just it's moisturize sunscreen and be smart um and you and that to me it was like you had three simple steps clean moisturize sunscreen and that to me was just, wait a minute, that's unheard of. You should be, you should be telling me I need this, 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 this. I need a serum. I need a toner. I need this. And I have to have a cleanser for my face and a cleanser for my feet. And they're not the same and don't mix them up. So when you get up in the morning and you're going to go through your, your skincare to start your day, what do you do? I, I, I try to, again, live a healthy lifestyle. The first thing I do, I throw my feet over, over my bed and I get dressed and I go for a run. I'm a runner. I run my five miles with a great group of people every morning. I try to eat nutritious. I get good nights of sleep. I've already taken, you know, three steps to having good skin and I haven't put anything on my skin. Look, we have time, energy, and money. You got to pick and choose how you're going to spend it. Uh, I do put sunscreen on. Uh, I get home, I shower up. I put my sunscreen on every day. Um, if my skin is dry, as I said, I will moisturize twice a day. That's my routine. You have time, energy, and money, and you just don't need all those other things. Um, you could put a lot of time into building relationships and money into doing the same. Um, and there's no science that shows all those five, seven, eight, ten step cosmetic processes are good for you. It's again, it's marketing, Angela. It's a business, and um, have fun with it. I mean, I have no problem with people who enjoy it. That's fine, but don't expect it to make your skin healthier. You know, and, and so I, I get up in the morning and I work out, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up between four and five cause I want to get my workout in and we sometimes go for, you know, long bike rides. Um, John's a cyclist and we'll go whatever. 
Um, he's a much better cyclist than he did the Tour de France thing. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen for me. But it's but it, you, it's just so hard. So you recommend, um, and you talk about soaps. Um, and in our house, we have we're always fighting over soap because <laughs> what I want and what he wants are two different things. Um, and 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 again, it's like. Is there a big difference in something as basic as a soap? I mean, when I was a kid, you grew up with ivory soap. Everybody was ivory soap baby. And then you get to a certain age and they tell you, no, you don't need that. And you need, you know, whatever. And glycerin soap. That was a big thing when I was in college. Um, the glycerin soaps. It was like they were kind of marketed as being organic and they were better and whatever. But let's start with the basics. Let's start with a soap. I mean, most people are going to pick up a bar of soap or some kind of cleaning product to clean their skin what should they be looking for well we can have a whole conversation about that i mean a shy of hand washing right we do know that hand washing around food preparation and using the facilities we know hand washing uh with a cleanser has probably done more for world health than any any discovery of any drug on the market on, 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 on the market but aside from that the whole premise of cleansing the skin, there's no science that shows it's even necessary. There are tribes in Africa, there are cultures around the world. They never use soap, they never bathe. Mm. And their skin is as healthy as anyone else's. Some might even argue their skin is healthier because they don't disrupt all the bacteria, the microbiome as we call on the surface of the skin. So, I mean, not to give you a lecture in soap, but soap, classic harsh soap is a salt, a combination of a harsh base like lye and an animal fat. Ivory soap is a true soap. It's harsh. Its pH is high, like 9, 10. It's hard on the skin. So the, we, then all the industry came up with what we call synthetic soap, synthetic detergents. That's what you came up with Dove and, um, and some of the more of the milder ones. And we have soap-free cleansers, which means they don't have that actual um, salt of, of, of a base and an and a animal fat in it. So these are synthetic. They're much milder on the skin. And Angela, it's cultural. It's cultural. We're taught when we're young to bathe and wash our face because that's what nice people do. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. There are conditions of patients with eczema. Some of them do very well when they cleanse and some do very poorly. So again, it's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. Um, most people do like to use some sort of a cleanser because they want to keep their friends and they don't want to smell. But again, this is cultural. There's no proven health benefit to, for example, washing your face every day with a cleanser. There's no proven health benefit whatsoever for the majority of people with healthy skin. I'm not talking about people with acne or, or other inflammatory skin conditions. People with healthy skin. Which so, is a majority, majority of people probably fit into that category. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. When I was a kid, there was a soap. I don't know if you remember. It was called Lava. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like, that thing was brutal. I mean, it was like, it went down to the bone, but we all used it because we were going to be, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness and everybody would scrub yeah. and clean. And you know, cultural. It's, it's just cultural. I, I don't, it's, it's a shock to most people, but it, it is the truth. There's no science that shows, I, I cleanse, I just use water. I don't use a cleanser on my face. Um, I don't need one. I wash with water. I wipe it off with the towel. I'm done. And uh, I have water-based makeup, so it washes off. Now, if you have oily-based makeup or really a lot of sunscreen because you applied it late in the day, um, yeah, you probably should use a cleanser. You're going to soil your pillowcase, and you're going to do a lot of laundry. But that, you know, that's a separate issue. That's not a health issue. That's a practical issue. Um, 
so again, it's another industry. You know, if you ask older women, older men, ask anybody over 80 years of age what they used for shampoo when they were kids. Like you said, they'll all tell you the same thing, some oil or some soap, bar of soap. Shampoo as it exists today wasn't even a household staple until the late 50s, early 60s. I don't know if you remember Prell or Breck. Prell with the pearl. Yeah, that's right. The J&J it made a uh, baby shampoo, I think it was in the mid, mid to late 50s. Those were the first shampoos that really hit the market in this country. Before that, nobody had shampoo. So all of a sudden, someone came up with this brilliant idea. We're going to use a cleanser for our hair. Yeah, it makes your hair more manageable. That's that's fine. It's, but again, that's a cultural cosmetic thing. It's not a health thing. I remember when I first started practicing law, you know, because I was I was grew up with you got to wash your hair every day. And that's what you did. You washed your hair every day. I had a secretary who was an older woman at the time who used to wash her hair once a week. Every Saturday, she'd go to the hairdresser and they would, you know, wash and restyle her hair. And every night she would wrap it in, I don't know, something, toilet paper or whatever to keep the style. But she only washed it once a week. And I was like, I couldn't imagine it. I just, just the thought that would just make me go, oh my God. I mean, oh, how horrible could that be? <laughs> and that was a generational thing. They, you, you didn't, you didn't do that. And, but it was, it's funny how, how you, to your point, the marketing programmed a lot of us to do things. And now it's like, no, you don't need to wash your hair every day. No, you don't need to do this. No, you don't need to do that. And I, I, even commercials for toothpaste, they, they show toothpaste, like they cover the whole brush with it. You don't need that much. It's just, you don't need it. But, but we have been conditioned through marketing that we need to use a cleanser, we need to use this soap, we need to wash our skin, we need to scrub our skin, we need to do all of these things. And as you point out in the book, it's not, it's really not that necessary. I mean, if you're, if you like how you said, if, if you're working out in a coal mine, or, you know, or, or out in the field someplace where you're, then that's a whole different ball game than somebody who works in an office or whatever. You're not getting that dirty. So it's, how do you how do you break that cycle? I mean, other than reading your book, which I'm telling you, read the damn book, people, because it will change how you look at not just the stuff on your bathroom, but how you're spending your money. And when and one of the other interesting things that the doctor does is she breaks things down not by the ounce, but but you're paying by the pound. And and you wouldn't pay for truffles. <laughs> that amount of money for some of these products it, it, it it's 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 definitely a, an eye-opening event how do you how do you go about like a, a younger child how do you break the cycle with them and how do you convince them that you know simple is better you know my goal again angela is to educate i don't want to sit here and tell people what to do and how to spend their money i'm a doctor i can tell you i know a little bit about the skin i know a lot about chemistry uh and i know the research um a lot of what people are meant to, uh, you know, the ads they see and what they're meant to believe that they need is marketing. When you look at the science, um, it just doesn't, uh, certainly with the cosmetics, there's no science that, that proves you need all these things. I emphasize wellness. Um, we have a whole marketing advertising campaign of beauty that's trying to feed off our insecurities. But again, they're businesses. They're trying to get sales. I get it. It's about profits. Um, and again, my goal is to ask the consumer, be open-minded, educate yourself. Um, you know, it was very interesting when, when, 
uh, I was talking to I was talking to some psychologists who have been studying for years why women in particular buy all these anti-aging and age-defying products. And they believe that women who do it, they believe that if they look younger or they look prettier, they're going to be happier. And when you look at the science, that's just not the case. The one variable that actually determines happiness has nothing to do with how you look. It actually has to do with your interpersonal relationships. Happy people have really good interpersonal relationships, including the relationship they have with themselves. So you, you, we all have a finite amount of time, energy, and money. I had a patient who was spending 55 minutes a day putting on her, on her face every day. And yet she complained to me she didn't have time. I just found an hour of waking time for her. She was spending $300 an ounce. Now an ounce is about a shot glass. $300 an ounce, do the math. That's about $4,800 a pound. I mean, like you said, I can't think of any perishable. I'd even consider spending $4,800 a pound on, yet alone a cosmetic, which is not intending to really change anything. It can't by law. So you have limited time, energy, and money. And I just want consumers to realize, take your time, energy, and money and put it towards things that are going to truly make you happy. Not buying products that are going to do very little because they can't by design or make you happier because happiness isn't gotten from a, a one less wrinkle. It's, it's gotten from a better relationship with a loved one. And again, to face the world, don't face the mirror so much. This is what the, all these ads are telling us to do. They want us to face the mirror. And I'm saying face the world instead. Um, and so the, the conclusion is it winds up, you wind up doing much less than you think you need. Because again, you just don't need all those products. Well, you bring your time, energy, and money into something better. But you're also, but you also hit something else. You're being, you're being bombarded with images as a male, female, it doesn't matter. You're being bombarded with images of what is an ideal of beauty. What is an ideal of, you know, what's attractive. And, you know, if you, if you buy this soap, you're going to be more attractive. If you use this skin cream, you're going to look 20 years younger. I mean, if I could use every face cream that told me how 20 years younger, I should be five, but I'm not. <laughs> But, but remember, know, those images are gotten by a team of people. You have, you have makeup artists and stylists, and you have photoshoppers and graphic designers. The people in those images don't even look like themselves by the time they're done. No, right? they don't. They so don't. I'm marketing again. This is why I'm just trying to educate. This is not realistic. This is sales. This isn't about science. It's about sales. And if the mind, if the consumer is mindful of this. I think they would ultimately wind up using fewer products. I think when you start to look at your time and, you know, I, again, you, you hit the nail on the head, you get up in the morning, you, you, your feet hit the ground and you do something. Um, I get up in the, not every morning, because some mornings I just go, I don't feel like it. And I pull the covers over my head. I get up and I'll work out. I'll do, maybe I'll do a run. Maybe I'll do a bike ride, but I'll work out. I was a, I worked as a personal trainer for a while. And time was just motivating these people to come in. And I, I do remember I had a couple of clients that I had to explain to them. They don't need to do full makeup to go work out. It's not really necessary. Nobody really cares, but it's, it, there's more to it than, than all of these things. The, we're bombarded with television, magazines, all kinds of things about this is going to make you look better. This is the magic potion. When in reality, it's it's really not. Again, what I thought was really cool about the book was that you 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 took each one of these things. You took soap. You took cleanser. You took serums. You broke it all down, and you said, "Here's what's in it." 
Okay, is it really going to do anything? And you're putting things on top of your skin. They're not penetrating. They're not the, all those cute little pictures that show, oh, it's going to seep down all these layers. It's not. It's not happening. It's not. And But I think people know that, Angela. You know, I don't think I tell people anything they don't already know. Look, skincare experts are dermatologists. And when you survey dermatologists, not, there's not any one product that everybody's using. If there was a single product that could really do a significant difference in aging. Look, we don't even know what causes aging, yet alone, you know, know how to cure it. Science hasn't found out a single ingredient or a single product that can reverse the hands of time. We don't even know what causes aging. So if you survey dermatologists, there's not any one product or one ingredient that they're all using. Now, if these skincare experts aren't using the product, that should tell people something. I right? agree. But I think I think what I think what you do is a hit on the head is that we may know it. And I told you before we started, I said in my head intellectually, I knew all of these things, but emotionally, I was I was hook, line, and sinker into the whole thing. Yeah, and we're brainwashed. Think of all the images during COVID. We're all staring at our screens, at our phones, at our computers. Images are we're being bombarded, bombarded with images that are that are you know again creating this perfect image of beauty. Um, I get questions all the time from 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 patients and 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 consumers. You know, I'm worried about this chemical and this chemical. Well, stop using so many products. You just don't need to expose yourself to so many things. You bring it down to the basic, and it's the same thing with food. What what what? Your skin is an organ. It's a living organism that is protecting you, and it's only going to respond to how you take care of it. And that's an internal thing as well as an external thing. And, you know, if you're going to eat Twinkies for your whole life and I love Twinkies, you're going to have a problem, you know? And if it's, you know, it's, it's the same deal. It's like what, what you do every day is what's going to benefit, benefit you. Um, and it's, it takes a while for people to do that. When you, when you look at that and you say, it, basic it's if it, is how much processing have you how much chemical can you put in your body and and think you're going to be healthy and it's the same thing i'm, I'm just going to keep applying stuff to my skin and expect it to be wonderful it's not like that the book to me really in all honesty the i enjoyed reading the book and i laughed and i and i agreed with you on so many of these things but what it's basically saying i thought was wake up and and look be be educated as to what you're doing and realize what you need or don't need and if you and to your point if i want to get a facial cuz it feels good then get a facial is it going to change my life maybe my psychological outlook for the day but it's not really going to make a big difference in the long run as to what my, what happens to my skin. Um, I, I I just found that to be obvious, but at the same time, somebody needed to say it. And I know you have the book is available. I downloaded the book because um, I'm I'm a I'm like a, a Kindle type person, mm -hmm. and it's just easier for me because I'm always doing something. I I just felt like it was just something that everybody should read. Now you have a website and the book is available on, on, on Amazon and a few other places. And if, if they wanted to find the book, where would they find it? But you have a website. Um, yeah. The website is a uh, fry face F R Y F A C E. It's a way to educate consumers. There's a blog, there's a, the product selector. People can just use it to select products. Uh, 
Um, again, so they don't stare at that wall and they're not overwhelmed with choice. Again, we test the products. So the moisturizers anyway, we know they work. Um, so I encourage everyone to, to do that. And they can contact me through the contact us um, on the website. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And yes, the book has done great. It's, uh, it's selling uh, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, and hopefully wherever books are sold. I, again, my goal is to educate and get consumers uh, knowledgeable. I want, I want knowledgeable consumers that they're so knowledgeable, they're dangerous consumers, and they'll make really good choices for themselves. I think you have to make good choices and you have to have, but you need somebody who's going to, who, you have no skin in this game. No, I don't work for a company. I don't sell anything. There's no private line for me. Um, uh, in all transparency, we get a 4% Amazon affiliate fee at the website, but to date we've just donated it to charity. Um, I don't financially gain from, from any of this. Um, I'm honestly, uh, I'm really trying to advocate for the consumer who's stuck between a wonderful skincare industry that's trying to make shareholders happy media that's selling sensationalism and all of you who don't understand what's in these products. And that's who, that's my goal is to try to educate. And that book does it. And it was simple. It was easy to read. It was straightforward. It didn't talk down to somebody. It gave them the tools. All you can do as, as, as a doctor or as an author or an advocate is to give people the tools and they still have to make these decisions and people will make good decisions and they'll make bad decisions, but they have to, it's so much easier. I always say, I'd rather deal with the devil I know. So if I know this product isn't really going to do anything for me, but it's like logically makes me feel good. Okay. Then I'll make a judgment call, but to, but to, to spend 25, 30 minutes before I even put on a roll on the mascara and run out the door. No, those days are, are so over. And, and, and I'll go back with it too. When I, I modeled and I remember sitting in that chair for hours, hours. So someone could take a picture. Someone showed me a photo one time and they said, blah, blah, blah. I said, who is that? They go, it's you. I'm like, no, it was me. I didn't recognize me. So I mean, uh -huh. There's so much that goes on to it. What I appreciated about the book is it was straightforward. It was easy to read. You told me what I needed to know. You gave me, you gave me external sites that I could go. I'm a footnote person. Give me a footnote and I'm going to follow it to the ends of the earth. You gave me a place to go and to, and to learn more. You gave me, you gave me that tool. And I, I, I thought that was, that was the coolest thing. And I was, kind of excited when I read the book and, you know, getting to meet you. It, it, it's a great service and you have no skin in the game. This is a woman who wrote a book for a reason and not because she's trying to sell you the, the latest and greatest wrinkle cream or oh, crepe cream. That's my new thing. Everything's, everything's going to get rid yeah. of your crepey skin. Yeah. It's called water. You know, <laughs> drink, drink lots of water. Right. But it's, it, I, I appreciate that fact. I appreciate the fact that you, you have nothing, you have no financial gain in, in promoting this book or promoting, a, you know, promoting a, a product, anything to that effect. And that to me makes it, I hate to say the word pure. It, it, it makes it, it makes it more honest. I think to me as a reader and, and to me as a consumer and well, I, thank you. I, I, I tell people this, you know, again, be mindful of those marketing ads um, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with, with, with this, you know, what really matters is, is kindness matters and health matters and accomplishments matter. And none of those things comes in a tube or a bottle 
or in a jar. And I think mindful consumers will, will, will appreciate that. I thought it was a great book. I thought talking to you was wonderful. I enjoyed it. I got so much out of all of it. And I, again, I encourage you people just check out the website, check out the book. It's amazing. And be educated. Think about, you know, you've got $300 to spend. What are you going to spend it on? Me, I would go for shoes, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> but I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a product that's not good. That's going to be this much in a jar and does not too much. And thank you for writing this book, Dr. Frey. I, I, Frey, I, I just thought this was wonderful. And, and I, sorry, I messed up your name, but um, I was excited oh, yeah. by it. It really was. Um, and I thank you. I thank you for your time. I know you're a busy woman. I thank you for your time. I thank you for writing this book and you can come back anytime. You can talk about shampoo, <laughs> serums. You can talk about all kinds of things because your skin is one of your most important organs and people need to take care of it and realize that life, life happens outside. <laughs> thank, well, thank you. So thank you for having me, Angela. It's really been a pleasure. I enjoyed this. And again, this is the book. Check it out. Check out her website. Check out everything. I, I cannot say enough good things about it. And, and I can say a lot, but this was great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, this has been Colliding Worlds, and we're going to bring you back something next week that will be just as interesting. But please take care of yourself and go outside and live. You know, you, you, if you have no scars, you haven't lived. Get out there and put a few on there and, and enjoy life. This is Colliding Worlds, and this is Angela Valenti-Romeo. Thank you so much.